want to uh, go ahead and just dive into this today. Revelation 1, 1. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. And we covered this last week, but I want to touch on it briefly this morning. The whole point of the book of Revelation is so that Jesus can give us a game plan of everything that's going to happen in the end times so that we can have a proper eternal perspective on end time events so that we don't get caught up and all the craziness that's going to be happening in the world. How many of you know that the world right now is just a little bit crazy? It is it's more than a little bit. It's, it's getting up there. The world is crazy. So Jesus said, listen, stuff is going to be happening. Craziness is going to be breaking out. And I don't want you guys to get caught off guard by it. And I want you to stay focused on my mission and my calling that I have on your life. And that is the whole purpose behind the book of Revelation, to let us know what's going to happen so that we don't miss the forest for the trees. Because God's got a lot for his church to be doing in the world today. Amen? Now, we know that as we go through the book of Revelation, there's probably going to be some questions that are going to pop up. And I'm going to answer some of those questions that came in last week today. But I want to put the information up on the screen for our little forum that you can go to to ask questions about the book of Revelation. There's a lot of imagery. There's a lot of types. There's a lot of questions about end-time prophecy and what's going to happen when and where and what this means and what this symbolizes. So if you've got questions about that, go to slido.com and just like Pastor Kelly said earlier, enter in the uh, event code 95665 and you can ask any question you want to. You can do it anonymously if you want or you can put in a cool username in there if you want to. Just keep it clean because a lot of people can see what you're putting in there, okay? Uh, but you can, you can do it anonymously if you want to so nobody knows who's asking the questions. But if you got questions, shoot them in, okay? And you guys online watching too, shoot in the questions that you might have at any point in the service. It's okay to hop online as questions pop in your head and, and ask those things, and we'll do our best to address every one of them before this series is over with. So we want to make sure that everybody's clear on what's happening in the book of Revelation. Well, let's jump into some of those questions right now. Are you guys ready? Yes. All right, here's the first one that, that came in, and this is a good one. Are we in the seven-year tribulation? Are we in the seven-year tribulation? Short answer to that. Look, world's crazy right now, I get it, but No. No, we are not currently in the seven-year tribulation spoken about in the book of Revelation and in the book of Daniel. Um, the reason why we know this is because, one, there is no Antichrist right now. Okay? At least that we know of. Ooh. Okay. Um, but the big earmarker is that the Antichrist, that world leader, has not yet signed the peace treaty with Israel and the Middle East. Okay, he has not brokered that peace deal yet. Now, I know there's a lot of buzz online right now about the recent deal that President Trump cut between Israel and uh, the, the group over there. That is not what the Bible is talking about. Okay? What President Trump did is he negotiated uh, a peace agreement between Israel and a group of people, not the entire Middle East. Okay, that's a big one. What he did is comparable to what happened to Israel, or not Israel, between Israel and Egypt in the uh, 70s, I think, and what happened between Israel and Jordan in the 90s. 
Now you've got a peace agreement between Israel and this new group now in 2020, uh, but it is not wide stroking through the whole Middle East, so no. We are not currently in the seven-year tribulation because that would be what we know kicks it all off. Okay, when the Antichrist signs that peace deal, that is the beginning of that last seven-year period, that last seven that's talked about in the book of Daniel. So um, we're not there just yet. But there's some crazy stuff happening out there. So it makes you wonder if we're getting close to all this stuff playing out, which is what this next question is all about. Uh, the next question that came in was this. With the increased occurrences of natural disasters and political unrest, pollution and corruption... Are we really in the end times? Oh, son, yeah. Uh, I think we absolutely are in the end times. And there are, there are ways that you can tell. Okay, I love to go on road trips. How many of you guys are road trippers? I love road trips. I, like, I have more fun on the drive to destinations than I do when I get to the destination. You know, to me, it's about the adventure. I love it. But, you know, when you're going down the interstate, you're going to see signs on the side of the road, okay? And in between the cities, the signs are smaller, and the information is kind of abbreviated, and it gives you insight into what's coming up ahead in the town that you're about to roll into, okay? As you get closer to that town, though, the signs get a little bit bigger. And when you roll up on the town or the city, there's all kinds of signage, okay? All kinds of signage to let you know where stuff is. There's signs for hotels, there's signs for restaurants, there's signs for gas stations. But on the way there, you don't see those huge signs. You see little snippets that give you a glimpse of what you're heading into. It'll, you'll see signs that say, um, this town will be in, you know, we'll, we'll call it Blarkville, all right? Blarkville will be in 18 miles. So, you know, you got 18 miles to go till you get to Blarkville. But as you get closer, you start to see signs that let you know what restaurants are in Blarkville. Shout out to Mall Cop. All right, it lets you know, it lets you know what gas stations are going to be in Blarkville. It lets you know what hotels are going to be there a few miles out so that you're ready before you get there. This is how end-time prophecy works, and this is how the Bible works. There are plenty of signs for us to look at to let us know that we're getting closer to this stuff breaking out. There are things that we can look at in Scripture that give us very clear indicators, and I want to run over some of those for you this morning just to answer this question. Are we in the end times. Let's look what the, the Bible says. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 3 is a great one to look at. 2 Timothy 3, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5. And as I read through this, I want you to think about society today and the current condition of the world today and see if some of these descriptions mirror what we see in our world today. I'm going to be reading out the Amplified Bible. It reads a little bit different because it breaks down some of the wording to another level, which I like particularly when I read this passage of Scripture, so I'm going to read it to you this way. Um, it starts out with this. But understand this, that in the last days, dangerous times, times of great stress and trouble will come, difficult days that will be hard to bear. Now look at how it describes society. For people will be lovers of self. And then it breaks it down and it says they will be narcissistic and self-focused. Does that sound like anybody that you know in general out there in the world, like a blanket statement across society right now? Um, yeah, lovers of money, which 
means that they don't just love money, but they're impelled by greed. They're motivated by greed. If that doesn't describe the corporate world today, I don't know what does. Boastful, arrogant, revelers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. When's the last time you went to see a movie? I know it's been a while since we went. I heard movie theaters are going to be opening back up, though, pretty soon. So those of us that are brave enough to go out, we can go catch a movie the old-fashioned way like we did way back when. Y'all remember those times when we could go out to movies and go to restaurants and not have to worry about how many people were in the groups or what we had on our face? Those good old days, you know? So, yeah. But if you watch a movie at home or online you, or online, or, or you go to a theater, man, profanity is just crazy because it reflects a lot of society. Unholy and profane. And they will be, in verse 3, unloving. Now, this is interesting because it's not just that they're kind of cold-hearted to people and they're not lovey-dovey, huggy kind of people. This goes a little bit deeper. It means that they're devoid of natural human affection, calloused and inhumane, and irreconcilable. And that does not sound like the current political climate in our country right now and across the world i don't know what because we have never been more polarized as a society than we are today irreconcilable callous towards each other you know um some of the things that you're seeing carried by the news and a lot of things that are happening right now that are not carried by the news are beginning to reflect a society that has shifted into a lack of love um and just common human decency towards one another irreconcilable, malicious gossips. Shout out to all the pastors out there that have to deal with all that craziness. Devoid of self-control. But this doesn't just mean that they can't control themselves. This means that they are intemperate or immoral, which means that they don't have control over their emotions. That doesn't sound like the world today at all. Man, people are are offended at the drop of a hat. People go ballistic over nothing. People are ready to just dial up to 11 in anger and fight you over absolutely nothing with no break in between. It speaks of that. So people are intemperate, and they they have no self-control in the way of morality, meaning that they give easily to impulses of fleshly desires. There's no control over that. If they feel like they want to do it, they're going to do it. No self-control. No, no regard to what the Word of God says. No restraint. If you like it, do it. Don't worry about what you say, what you do. Express yourself. All that stuff, I think, is reflected somehow in society today. Brutal, haters of good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of sensual pleasure, rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of... See, now he's describing society here, and then he breaks it real close and personal and starts talking about the church. Holding to a form of outward godliness or religion, although they have denied its power, for their conduct nullifies their claim to faith. Wow. Avoid such people and keep far away from them. Man, that's a pretty good snapshot of what culture is is and is becoming today, um, particularly the church. Jesus, when talking about the end times, he broke it down like this, and he let us know a couple of things were going to happen. In Matthew 24, starting at verse 10, he's talking about the end times, and right before his coming for his church, he says, At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, 
and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Now that's kind of a very abbreviated form of what we just read in the other passage of Scripture. Jesus said there's going to be a great falling away. You know, in the last 20 years, we have seen a consistent falling away from believers in church. Now, I'm not saying that this is the great falling away that Jesus is talking about here, but it could be a very sobering prelude to it. I do know this, and we talked about this last week, that um, COVID-19, about five, six months ago, came in and impacted the world and greatly impacted the church. Since COVID-19 has done its thing, we talked about this, listen to this, one-third of people that attended church before COVID-19 no longer attend church now. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, that means that they just don't go to church because they're concerned about their health and they watch online. No, they do not go to church. They do not watch online. They do not attend Bible studies. They do not attend small groups. They are done, walked away, washed their hands, nothing to do with it. That is an incredible falling away from the faith. Now, I'm not saying that this is what Jesus is talking about, but I'm saying it's a mile marker on the side of the road that we need to pay attention to, this letting us know that we're getting incredibly close to that time. You need to pay attention to these things. There's a lot of stuff we could talk about increasing in technology. There's some very specific things that are happening in our world today that did not exist even five years ago that are going to be major players in end-time prophecy. And we're going to talk about those things, not, not today, uh, but next week and the week after. We're going to see how those things tie into what's going to happen in the book of Revelation. So, yeah, I would say that we are absolutely in the end times. Not quite to the Great Tribulation. Does that make sense? So we need to be paying attention to the mile markers on the side of the road and the signs. Paying attention to what they say. Paying attention to what we need to do. Because this is telling us that we don't have that much time left to reach this world for Jesus before this thing wraps up. So it's an indicator to the church. Listen, not to run to the woods and hide. Not to dig a bunker and forget about the world existing but to ratchet up our prayer, to kick our evangelism up to another level and reach as many people as we possibly can in our sphere of influence for Jesus that we possibly can. That's what this is telling us to do, okay? Not to get distracted, but to stay focused. All right, now there's no way that you can talk about end-time prophecy and end-time events without talking about one of the major events that we're going to see in the book of Revelation. We're gonna talk about that today. We're gonna talk about the rapture of the church. Everybody say rapture. rapture. You know what verse in the Bible the word rapture is found in? None. Not one. All right. That's, that's a word that we made up to describe what is going to be happening to the church. But it's very clear in scripture that this is going to be a dynamic, unique event. It's going to happen and it's going to affect every believer and it's going to have a powerful impact on the world once we're gone. Now, I want to give you some scripture um, and, and give you, I want to talk you through this today with the time that we've got left because I don't want to just throw a lot of information at you. I want to equip you today okay, to have a better understanding of what the rapture is, 
how it's going to play out, and I want to be able to give you the tools that you need, okay, to not just be able to understand it, but to be able to communicate it and articulate it to the people that you know to let them know that they need to be ready for this event and why they need to be ready for this event. Make sense? So I'm going to be preaching and I'm going to be teaching and I'm going to be equipping today. So this would be a great service to take notes. If you're not a note taker, this would be a good one to start practicing again. Uh, if you got your Bibles, the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to walk you through some key verses in the Bible. Now, this isn't going to be exhaustive, but I'm going to give you some, like the main three or four um, that cover the rapture and talk about what it's going to be because there are people out there that believe that the rapture isn't going to happen. And I don't see how you can read the Word of God and come to that conclusion. So I want to give you some key verses to equip you. First uh, Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with a voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. That is going to be crazy to watch. Okay? There's literally going to be a resurrection of the people that have died. Believers going to be risen from their graves. Then, after that's happened, together with them, we who are still alive will remain on the earth and will be caught up in the clouds to meet with the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Thank God. We will be with him forever. The words caught up are very key in understanding how the rapture is going to take place. Now, these words are going to come up uh, off and on through the rest of this message because they're going to tie into other uh, aspects of the rapture that we're going to be looking at as it goes. But caught up is key. Caught up is key. The wordage there in the Greek literally means to come out of or to be snatched out of. To be snatched out. So the picture is not a parent who is picking their child up out of a, out of a crib or a little play area and picking them up. The picture is of a parent grabbing their child who's running into a road and snatching them back before they get hit by a car. Okay, To be snatched out of. That's what's going to happen. We're literally going to be snatched out of this world and be with the Lord forever. Now, let's look at some other passages of the scripture that shed some more light on what's going to take place when the rapture happens. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. We're going to be transformers. What's up with that? That's going to be awesome. I'm going to be Optimus Prime. What? It's going to be great. Uh, it will happen in a moment. In the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever. Here it is again. The dead are rising. And we who are living will also be transformed. Jesus talked about the rapture taking place too. Now, it's all through Scripture. I'm just giving you a few verses. This is all through the New Testament and through the teachings of Jesus. Multiple parables, Jesus dealt with this event happening uh, with the church. Luke chapter 17. 
Looking at verse 24, Jesus gives us a glimpse at how fast this is going to happen. For as lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so will it be on the day when the Son of Man comes. What does that mean? Bam! Just that fast. In a moment. Paul said, in the twinkling of an eye. Just boom, that fast. Then he says this. Later on in chapter 17, at verse 34, Jesus says, that night... Two people will be asleep in one bed, and one will be taken, the other left. He got taken or snatched away. Two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. In Matthew 24, he says two people will be walking in the field, one taken and the other left. So we've got a clear picture now just from these uh, few scriptures of what's going to take place during the rapture. Pastor Josh, do you really believe literally, that this is going to happen. I literally believe that the Bible is true. I literally believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. I literally believe that he lived a sinless life. I believe that he healed blind eyes, that he opened deaf ears. I believe that he raised the dead. I literally believe that they put a crown of thorns on his head, that he sacrificed his life and let himself be tortured and crucified to die for your sin and for my sin. I literally believe that he died and went into a tomb for three days. And I believe that on the third day that he rose again and was seen not just by the disciples, but by over 500 people I literally believe that Jesus after that ascended back up to heaven sat down at the right hand of the throne of God began interceding for us and I believe that he is coming back for his church I literally believe it question is are we going to be ready when that happens now think about what we just read in the Bible what how is this going to play out what's going to happen the Bible says that We're going to be going about our business, and then suddenly, the eastern sky is going to part. And then we're going to hear the shout of the archangel, and the trumpets are going to sound. Why would there be a shout, and why would there be a trumpet? Because when royalty enters the room, you announce the presence of royalty, and the trumpets shout to signal the presence of royalty, and Jesus will step into that void in the sky and we'll see the lily of the valley the king of kings the lord of lords the lamb that was slain the one that paid the price for you and for me the one at whose name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is lord he is the son of god and he is coming back in a moment he's going to show up and when he's there Check this out in a moment. Graves all across the world are going to begin to explode. One after another. And the dead in Christ will become reanimated. Up into the clouds, united with their spirit, transformed into their heavenly bodies. And then after we see that cool stuff, then you and me, if we're still around, will be transformed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye and called up to be with the Lord. And we will rule and reign with Him forever and ever and ever and ever. It is going to be awesome. I can't wait to see that happen. I can't wait to see that happen. Oh, God, I hope I live long enough to be able to see that happen. Why is all that crazy stuff going to happen, Josh? Because when God does stuff, the old saying is God don't do anything in a corner. 
all right? When God does stuff, he wants to take center stage and say, here's how awesome I am. Question is, though, are we going to be ready when that happens? Now, there's a lot of different takes on the tribulation, okay? It's accepted that there will be, or not the tribulation, but the rapture. There's, uh, it's accepted that there will be a rapture of the church. The questions start to form, at least in church world, and in the world of biblical prophecy on when this event <clears throat> is going to take place. Three schools of thought to this event. Pre-tribulation rapture, a mid-tribulation rapture, or a post-tribulation rapture. Pre-trib meaning that Jesus comes back and comes for his church before the tribulation begins. Mid means that he comes back in the midpoint. Post means that he doesn't come back. He lets us go through the tribulation and then he gets us after. <clears throat> it is plausible. Some with a stretch. It is plausible that all three of these scenarios individually could play out. If anybody comes up to you and says, I know with 100% certainty when the rapture is going to happen, it is going to be post-trib, or it's going to be mid-trib, or it's going to be pre-trib. Listen, they don't know. They don't know. Nobody knows. At best, what we have are educated thought processes and at the end, kind of an educated guess based on Scripture on which of these scenarios is most likely and least likely. Okay? But it's plausible that any of them could take place. Why do you say that, Josh? Because there's just not enough 100%, now I'm saying 100%, like me, I'm probably like 98% set on what I think is going to happen, and I'll share that with you today. You know? um, and I know probably in this room, we're going to have differences of opinions on when this may happen, and you know what? That's cool. You can have a different opinion on that. I'm going to share my opinion on it, and I'm going to go from Scripture and show you which one is going to be least likely and most likely. But that doesn't mean that any one of them couldn't happen, okay? Be very clear when I say that, okay? Anybody that says, I know for sure you're listening to a fool because nobody knows for sure. A mature way to explain it is here's what I think is going to happen, and the more important thing is to be able to say here's why I think it's going to happen that way, okay? So we're going to cover these today. We're going to look at, um, first, a post-tribulation rapture of the church, some people think that Jesus is going to let us go through all the tribula tribulation, and then he's going to come back for us. Of the three, um, biblical scholars, pastors, myself included, will say that this is probably the least likely of the three scenarios because of what we know in Scripture. But I want to say it again. It's plausible that it could happen. Okay, but this is the least likely of the three. And I'll give you two reasons why. Um, one being what we know in Scripture on Jesus' second coming at the end of the tribulation, at the battle of Armageddon. Okay. Uh, Jesus comes back, puts his foot on the Mount of Olives, and he lines up with 
the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the Bible says the nations of the world that are gathered there to fight him. Bad choice, by the way. He makes easy work of them. Uh, But there is a multitude that shows up with Jesus at that battle that are dressed the same way that you will see the great multitude mentioned earlier in the book of Revelation dressed. And those are the believers that have come out of the tribulation have been caught up with Jesus dressed in white linen, fine and clean. Can't wait for that. Bleach can't get it that white. Um, It would be confusing to say that Jesus would show up for his church at the end of the tribulation at that battle when we're already there with him riding in on horses for that battle. We had to come from somewhere in order to ride with him. Make sense? Um, Another reason, and this is probably more definitive, is timeline. According to the book of Daniel, the last seven of the prophecies that he lists out, which, by the way, the prophet Daniel, thousands of years ago, has nailed everything that's happened in the world since his time. It's amazing how accurate it is when you're speaking the word of God. You know, um, Daniel talks about the timeline of that last seven, which we know is the tribulation. Okay. From the midpoint of the tribulation, when the Antichrist breaks the peace deal with Israel and does the abomination of desolation in the temple. Okay. It is three and a half years or 1,290 days from that point till the battle of Armageddon when the tribulation ends. Now, that is set in stone biblical prophecy. 1,290 days from the beginning of the tribulation to the mid, 1,290 days from the mid to the end. The Bible talks about how, and more so Jesus said, that no man knows the day or the hour when he's going to return. Now, I think it's important that Jesus explained it this way. The day or the hour. Because I'm going to catch you guys off guard. You're not going to know when it's coming. The problem with a post-trib type rapture scenario, one of them would be, that would make it least likely, would be that you could calculate from the midpoint of the tribulation until that last day of the tribulation when Jesus returns for that battle to the day. To the day. Maybe not the hour, but to the day. And it's important that Jesus said nobody knows the day or the hour. Very important that he delineated that way. Um, Also, another key indicator is this, that everybody's going to know that Jesus is going to be showing up. The Bible says that the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the nations of the world will gather there specifically to fight Jesus. They're waiting on him when he shows up because they know the timeline of the book of Daniel. And they know on that day, Jesus is going to come back. So the devil is going to throw his last ditch Hail Mary effort at trying to defeat Jesus on that day. He's going to fail miserably, by the way. Not even going to be a fight. Jesus is just going to go, boo. That's it. Destroys them all with a spoken word. He doesn't even draw a sword. 
He just speaks a word, and his word does it. Okay, uh, because it's calculable that way, it makes it very unlikely that a post-trib rapture scenario would take place. Although it still could be plausible, but it's incredibly unlikely. All right. Now, here's where things get interesting. Amid tribulation catching away of the church, things start to get a little more interesting here because we know from the Bible that there absolutely is something significant that's happening here at the midpoint of the tribulation. Something happens here. Something happens here with the believers that are on the earth at that time. Go to Revelation chapter 7. I'm going to start reading in verse 13, but the entire chapter is worth going back to read on your own time so that you can get the entire context of what's happening. The deal is that John is um, talking to the elders in, uh, in the Spirit, and suddenly a great multitude of believers appear. And so John starts to ask, who are all these people that I, there's too numerous to count? They're all dressed in white. Who are these people? Revelation 7, the conversation takes place. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where do they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have now pay attention to this wording. These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. That is the same verbiage in the Greek that we see in other the, the, the passages that we just read, especially in Thessalonians, to be snatched out of. It talks about this group of people being snatched out of the tribulation. Now we know, we know from the end time prophecy timeline that this event is going to happen at the midpoint of the tribulation. This is where the mid-tribbers, this is where they get, hey, we know there's going to be a catching away here. It's going to be the church. This is pretty definitive. We're going to go where there's going to be a mid-tribulation rapture of the church. Listen, there is no denying the verbiage here. There is going to be a catching away of the believers at that time during the midpoint of the tribulation. Clear as day. The question becomes, if that's the truth, then is this the rapture of the church? Or is this going to happen before the tribulation starts? It's very clear that some believers are going to get caught up here. So in order to understand what's happening here, you need to look at this event from the perspective of the entirety of the Bible. Okay. What is the best way to interpret the Bible? With the Bible. You interpret the Bible with the Bible. Okay. Um, when we think rapture, when we think catching away, we're thinking this huge, just cataclysmic, cosmic, awesome event, and it is going to be. But did you know that this is not going to be the only time in Scripture that people have been caught up from the earth into heaven? And a lot of people don't realize this, and I'll walk you through it just in case you don't know. Go back to Enoch. Um, it is strongly implied that Enoch was caught up out of the earth. Didn't die, was just translated into heaven. Look at Elijah. 
Elijah is the same thing. He was caught up to heaven, albeit in a chariot of fire. So he went in style, okay? He, God sent an Uber for him, but still he went on up that way. Jesus was caught up also after his resurrection in front of all those witnesses and all those people. Jesus ascended up into heaven in his heavenly body, okay? Now listen, in the book of Revelation, there are going to be other catching aways of groups of people. A lot of people don't realize this, but if you read it and study it, you'll see that it's highly probable that there's going to be more. Uh, look at the 144,000. We know that the 144,000 will be Jewish evangelists that will be preaching the world or preaching the gospel to the world at that time, commissioned by God. They are going to be caught out of the tribulation. We know that the two witnesses that are going to wreak havoc on this earth during the tri tribulation. Bible says they can call down fire from heaven and plagues and pestilence anytime they want to without measure. They're going to be killed by the Antichrist. They're going to be dead for three days, three and a half days, something like that. God's going to bring them back to life in full view of the world, the Bible says, and then he's going to call them up into heaven. And people will literally watch them get caught up and ascend into heaven. I just gave you a total of six catching aways that are listed in the Bible. Okay? And three of those take place during the tribulation time in the book of Revelation. So the question is, is there a seventh? Six is the number of man. Seven is the number of completion. Hmm. I'm not much into numerology, but that might start the process here. Here's a problem with a mid-tribulation rapture of the church. Here's a problem with it. Um, one, timelines. One is timelines. Because when the Antichrist signs that peace agreement that will begin the tribulation start the clock if a rapture takes place at the midpoint of the tribulation you can calculate to the day when that is going to take place that becomes problematic because nobody's supposed to know the what the day or the hour okay um, that becomes problematic so that's one thing the other thing is this, and this is, if, if, it was, if it was just timelines and if it was just, you know, this or that little pieces of scripture, it, it would be less convincing to me because there's obviously a catching away that happens at the midpoint of the tribulation. It cannot be denied, okay? Um, but what does it for me comes out of a mouth of a guy named Jesus. Now, I don't know how you guys feel, but if I'm going to go on something I'm going to stick pretty close to what Jesus says. If a guy can predict his death and his resurrection and pull it off, I'm going to go with what that guy says. Nine times out of ten. All right, He's got something going on here. Now, this is just for me. Okay, listen. At the end of the day, this is Pastor Josh's interpretation of what he thinks and what really most scholars and, and pastors will lean towards Okay, is what will happen as far as the rapture is concerned. I'm not giving you 100% this is going to happen. I'm going to say it again. 
Okay, because I don't want anybody confused on this. This is highly probable, but it's not 100% definitive. I think what Jesus says in the book of Luke, chapter 17, convinces me personally that a mid-tribulation rapture, like rapture, the original first catching away from the church, okay? That's what we're talking about, that first catching away. Not other catching noise that we know are going to happen, but that first initial one is supposed to catch everybody off guard and by surprise. That's what we're talking about here. Um, Jesus' words shed light on this in a very convincing way for me, and it might for you. Uh, Luke 17, starting at verse 26, Jesus is talking about when he returns, and he begins to address the heart condition and the overall cultural climate of the day. This is very important to pay attention to this. All right, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in, the, in Noah's day. So that begins to speak to the heart condition of people. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it was in the day of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, until the morning lot left Sodom. Then the fire and the burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Jesus just gives us a huge insight into the climate of the day before he's going to return. Now, I'm going to read back over this again, and I'm going to point some stuff out, and then I'm going to land my plane on my point here. And, uh, <clears throat> and maybe you guys will see it like I see it. And if not, then, you know, no biggie. But it says, when the Son of Man returns, it'll be like the days of Noah. Now, listen to the climate. In those days, people enjoyed banquets and parties, so they were partying and having fun. Weddings, they were celebrating stuff right up until the time Noah got in the boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. In other words... They didn't suspect anything was happening until it was too late. Verse 28, the world would be as it was in the days of Lot. Listen, people went about their daily business, eating, drinking, buying and selling, farming and building until the morning Lot left Sodom, and then it really broke loose, my paraphrase. Verse 30 is key in understanding the climate of the culture when this is probably going to happen. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Business as usual means it will be an unsuspecting time in society and the world. This is what Jesus is saying. Listen, there cannot be a original, right, like first, first wave catching away of the church, mid-tribulation or post-tribulation, if the world's climate is going to be business as usual and unsuspecting. Here's why. Most people don't realize this. Here's why. Okay? When the Antichrist signs that peace agreement with Israel in the Middle East, that begins the seven-year tribulation period. When that happens, there are immediately 21 judgments of wrath from God that will begin to rock this world to its knees. The first seal that's opened after that will release the Antichrist to conquer the world. It will equip him with power. 
The second one, listen to this, will remove all peace from the world and cause people to begin killing each other. The third one, the third seal, will bring a global economic collapse that will drive inflation through the roof so no one will be able to, to afford anything at all. So there will be no buying or selling or business really being conducted at that time. Global economic collapse. Then the fourth seal, it starts to get fun. God's going to release a horseman who's going to go into the world and through plagues, pestilence, war, and listen to this, and through attacks from wild animals, one quarter of the earth's life will be destroyed. All of that is going to happen in the first part of the first three and a half years of the tribulation before the midway point. That's just the seals. That's not the trumpets that will be blown, and that's not the seven bowls of the wrath of God that will be poured out. All of that is going to be happening before the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. If there's a global economic collapse... If there's a global dictator that is conquering through the world, if there's no peace and society is killing each other, and if one quarter of human life ceases to exist through war, pestilence, and famine, that sounds like a peaceful season right there. War, pestilence, and famine coming to you, and you, and you, and you. That, this sounds horrible. It sounds horrible. Okay, listen, there is no way. Just think about this. Almost 8 billion people in the world today, if this were to happen in this season of the world, that means that right at 2 billion people would be dead before the midway point of the tribulation. Can you imagine the impact on families, on businesses, on governments, on society? How do you deal with 2 billion dead bodies? All of this is going to happen before the first three and a half years is done. And we've only gotten through four of the seven seals that have to be opened. You realize that, right? There's no way, in my mind at least, that you can have business as usual in an unsuspecting society if it's been rocked by world, by world wars and plagues and famines and global economic collapses and two billion people are dead. That's not business as usual. Okay, so what Jesus is talking about is a very unsuspecting society that's going to get caught off guard by his first coming when he comes for the church and what we call the rapture. Me personally, this passage of scripture seals the deal for me because Jesus gives incredible insight into the climate of the culture of the day. And because of what we know will happen in the tribulation, there's no way what Jesus is saying can be the climate of what the world will be experiencing during that time. They just don't line up. So that leads me to think that there will be, highly likely there will be, a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Praise God. You know what? Of the three, I'll take that one all day long. 
I mean, of the three, I'd be praying to God above that that would be the one. All right, because even if he comes at the midpoint of the tribulation, we're going to have to live through everything that I just described to you. I don't want anything to do with that. I want out of here, Jack. Punch my ticket. Get me out of here. I want to fly like Superman. Be gone. You know, I, that's what I want. I don't want anything to do with that. So it's highly likely that we will be seeing a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Now, it doesn't mean that that's bulletproof, but it's incredibly highly likely. All right. Uh, but that will take place in concert with the other catching aways that we see in the book of Revelation at the midpoint, the 144,000, the, uh, the two witnesses. All those things are still going to play out, but I do think you're probably going to see a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Have you ever thought about what that's going to look like? What the world is going to look like right after the rapture? It's estimated that there's almost, it's like 1.8 billion people that claim Christianity as their faith right now. Now, you and I both know better that just because you claim something as your faith doesn't mean you have a relationship with God. So I think most of those people aren't going to be going on the first bus ride out of here. All right, but there still will be. You're talking probably hundreds of millions of people, though, that are going to disappear from all around the world in a second. You ever wonder what the, how that might play out or how that might look? I brought a video clip to show you what that might look like. Okay, Now, this is an artistic interpretation of how this might play out, but I brought a movie clip to be able to show you. And to me, when this happens, dude, it is so stinking awesome. It is so awesome. The way I'll just stop talking about it, and I'll get ready to show you guys. Are you all ready to see it? You haven't convinced me. You, you sound like a bunch of people who have just had their brain smoking for a while. Do you want to see how this might play out? Yeah. All right, I want to show this to you. Media team, we got it ready? Okay, here we go. Roll it when you're ready. You guys check out this video clip. Hundreds of millions of people will disappear because the church will be with Christ. Planes will crash, cars will crash. CEOs of companies will disappear. Mothers will put their children to bed and not find them there the next morning. Husbands will wake up without their wives. Grandparents. It, it is going to create chaos and confusion and devastation in the world like we haven't seen it. You think what's happened because of COVID-19 is crazy? Wait until the rapture happens. Wait until we start moving into this tribulation period that we read about in the book of Revelation. Now, when the rapture is going to happen, to me, that's a moot point. The $100 question is, regardless of it, are we ready for it right now? It's the only question that really matters. All else is debate. Are we ready? Are we ready? Are you ready right now? If Jesus were to come back right now, no man knows the day or the hour. It will be in an unsuspecting time. I think one of the most tragic things about the rapture is that when it happens, that churches all across America will probably be half full 
and carrying out business as usual. Don't let that be said of you. Are you ready? Bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. I want to ask a couple of questions.